Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at My Peace Corps Story, on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story, and as always, over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. This episode comes from the archives of the JFK Library, the RPCV Oral History Project, Uh, and it is an interview with Alan Docterman, who served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Northeast Brazil from 1968 to 1970. He discusses his opposition to the Vietnam War as a primary motivation for joining the Peace Corps, and about the attrition during training in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and in Brazil. Uh, he gets into some very interesting things talking about uh, Peace Corps as a uh, counter-communist measure, uh, which many believe is one of the big reasons that Peace Corps was created and his work with co-ops and some of his frustrations he's had working in Brazil. Now, this interview is a little slow. Uh, so maybe if you've got that uh, 1.5 speed on your podcast listener, I would do that. Uh, but I think it's got some really good content in it. That's why I decided to share it with you. And it's from Brazil, uh, which is, hasn't had Peace Corps volunteers for a very, very long time. I think you guys will enjoy this episode. Uh, if you do, let me know. If you don't, definitely let me know. So without further ado, here is the My Peace Corps Story podcast. This is, this is, this is, this is my, my Peace Corps, Peace Corps, my Peace Corps, my Peace Corps story, story, story. This is Evelyn Gansglass. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Somalia from 1966 to 1968. And today is August 13, 2018. I'm interviewing Alan Docterman who is a Peace Corps volunteer in Brazil from 1968 to uh, to 1970. And for one year, he worked on a cooperative program, and the second year, he was in a legal aid program. Let me start the interview by asking you, Alan, why did you join the Peace Corps? Well, there are a number of reasons. I, um, I was 25 years old. I was graduating from law school at the time, and if you were not 26, you could get drafted. So certainly the the draft in the Vietnam War, which I strongly opposed at that time, um, were, were factors. Uh, many of my friends who were graduating law school with me at the same time, uh, the uh, they end up teaching school in Chicago, Illinois. Um, and there are other methods that you could uh, avoid the, the draft and service in Vietnam if, if you were uh, wise enough to figure them out. Um, I uh, grew up in a small town in Illinois on the Mississippi River, and I hadn't had much travel experience and... Um, I was interested in travel. I felt uh, 
some of them alienated from the, the main culture in the United States. I thought it'd be exciting to learn a new language. I only spoke English at that time. Um, so these were uh, some of my uh, reasons at the time. Uh, when I found out about Brazil, it was a fascinating place, exciting place, interesting place, as I read about it. And that certainly was a factor when I got assigned to to go to that that country. Uh, maybe also some sense of well, I ought to be if I'm not going to uh, go to Vietnam, I ought to do something to serve the country. There may have been some of that guilt thinking. So there was a majority of was, all of these were, were factors at the oh, time. I'm from the same vintage, so I totally can relate to. Uh to all of those motivations. Did you apply to go to Brazil, or were you just assigned to Brazil? No, I think I was just assigned. Uh, my understanding was the cooperative program wanted lawyers. It was agricultural cooperatives, but they were pressed because lawyers were doctors, so to speak. And, you know, it was a pretty poor fit because lawyers are not necessarily good... Uh, people in agricultural projects. Uh, but they ended up, the program ended up with nine people who, were, who had graduated law school, mm -hmm. which gave me a number of people I had a whole lot in common with, uh, of the, the group of, um, of uh, I think it was 31 members who began training in the program. Nine out of 31 were, were lawyers. Yeah. That's, that's quite a few. So what, what, let's just go back to, to some of the motivation. What did your family think about all of this, about your joining the Peace Corps? Um, well, at that point, I was a, uh, my parents were no longer alive. I lived with my aunt and uncle. Uh, my uncle thought it was a crazy idea, tried to talk me into it. And I think he even had me talked to lawyers in uh, a small town in Illinois that I grew up in, uh, and they were probably primed to uh, talk me out of it. And Time to earn, earn a living, right? Yeah, and they suggested there was employment options. Um, and your peers, what did they think about all of this? Well... If the ones you mean the ones who were in law school with me, law school or friends from high school or well, my, my others. The, my, it was a real mixture of people who were my peers. Uh, those who were in law school, some were in already were in um, officer programs, JAG programs, um, and a number of them were figure out that teaching would be a good way. I'm not exactly sure. I think if you were married and had children, that was a, a basis for deferment. I don't believe that just uh, marriage was sufficient. Um, but a lot of people were trying to... Well, marriage was sufficient in 1964 when I got married. Uh, I didn't get married because of the draft, but it was sufficient then. I don't know what it was in 19... 1968. 67. Yeah, the summer of 1967. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not, I don't recall that well. Um, the, 
the key was to get to, to 26 years of age, and then you would not get drafted. Um, the uh, Some are already in the military. I think in 64, 65, I, th I think people were less aware whether it very, there were I don't know, 20 or 30,000 troops there at that point. Uh, but by 1967, in the summer, um, there were, I, I don't think there were much illusions as to some of the downsides of our engagement mm -hmm. in, in, in Vietnam and the justifications and the opposition to it. So we were, at that point, it was a pretty savvy group of people especially those who um, that I knew in, in law school in Champaign, Illinois. So you went to University of Illinois in Champaign, is that? That's, that's correct. In law school as well? As well, yeah. Okay, so you applied for the Peace Corps. How long did it take for you to be accepted? Do you know? Do you remember? No, I, I think... Uh... Doesn't... Doesn't actually matter. Um, <clears throat> that's that's not an important question. You don't have to. Well, actually I had a piece it. of paper. Um, the uh, I, I I applied, I believe, in the summer of 1967, and I think I was received the the letter, the offer in. Uh, um, probably in August or September, but they said they weren't exactly sure when I report. But I think I was immediately notified that uh, that they uh, that the position would be in uh, the co-op program in Brazil in the Northeast. And then, when did you actually show up for training? Actually, I got the letter on July sixth, nineteen sixty-seven. Oh, you did. From, from Jack Vaughn, and it gave him great pleasure to invite me to train in the uh, program named below, and that was Brazil, with the assignment to organize and develop cooperatives. It would be a 27-month program. So you got the letter in July, and the training started soon thereafter? Yes. Well, actually, the training didn't start until uh, October. Um, so I think I started in uh, in late late October of 1967. And, and where was your training? It was at the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. Talk a little bit about what training was like. Um, the uh, well, we were at a uh, hotel in downtown Milwaukee. And uh, the Schrader, Schroeder, Schrader, I think the name of it was it. And uh, um, so we all stayed at the hotel. Um, and the training began, there was 40 of us, and uh, of which 33 were in the cooperative program. And there was two who were in urban planning, uh, I think they had at least one had graduated from architecture school uh, who grew up 
within blocks of, of your house, Evelyn. Oh, really? Um, and went to Wilson High School. Um, and um, uh, and then there was, I think, there were eight women of the 40, and there were a couple secretaries, and there were three or four in uh, uh, education and in um, uh, health programs, I think. Um, so that was the group of 40. Um, we, bega- we, we had, as you can imagine, we had uh, tremendous differences in terms of our, our language skill. Some of the people were fluent in Spanish, and Portuguese and Spanish are uh, pretty similar, uh, probably more than either language is with uh, Italian. Um, so that for them, especially those that were fluent in Spanish, it was just a matter of trying to stop the Spanish words from coming out and using yeah. the, the Portuguese words that were often very similar. Uh, so they ended up, they probably spoke Portuguese better on the second day than many of us did three months later. Uh, and then there were some that had just strong language skills. Were you one of those? No, I was <laughs> not, unfortunately. I was I was in one of the, the weaker groups. Um, so we were three or four of us. We started at 7.50 in the morning and went till um, 11, um, learning Portuguese. The focus uh, was almost entirely uh, verbal, speaking it so that None of us particularly learned how to write it. And some never, you know, if we did enough reading over the, the months, years there, mm-hmm. we would we would write it. But none of us became, I think, very good writers without special uh, instruction. Which, so the whole focus was the, the oral. We all had, um, our teachers were all uh, Brazilian nationals, some of whom spoke good English, some of them who spoke weak English, but the classes would be entirely in, in Portuguese. Uh, we had, uh, and I think uh, we had the, the, a good book that we were working off of, and um, then at 11.30 we'd break, I guess, for lunch, and then in the afternoon we'd get two more hours of language training. Um, and we would also get Training and community development, which was, which was not useful at all in my view. We got some training about the history of Brazil, and about the culture, and they brought in outside speakers, and that was very interesting. University of Wisconsin had a program. They had some language labs, which we used a little bit. I don't think very much though. But they had a uh, Portuguese-speaking program there. Um, and I think that we, uh, the university must have been a few blocks away, the downtown campus of the university, maybe the only extension mm-hmm. for the University of Wisconsin, uh, from the hotel. So we walked there the two or three blocks, and then um, we would be there all day. Maybe we'd walk back for, for lunch to the hotel. I know we, we ate at the hotel and 
Uh, I just gained a lot of weight since it was three meals and not much physical activity. Mm -hmm. I know I did. Um, the uh, and the, the we were taught <coughs> something about the cooperatives, but not a whole lot. And in terms of uh, learning about agriculture, what they did, it was, it was pretty superficial. It was an eight-week program. Um, the uh, and then at night we that would be free at night, and we would uh, uh, after dinner we go out. Sometimes we read things at night. Uh, there were a number of uh, bars in the neighborhood and places to go. We, there was a uh, a priest named Grappi at the time who was involved in civil rights marches, Father Grappi, and we would join those marches, civil rights marches, um, at night. Uh, and... Uh, my memory of it was that we were all going to end up in northeastern Brazil in uh, January, which was about seven degrees from the equator. It was going to be awfully, awfully hot. And they tried to simulate the conditions, putting us in Milwaukee in December and January. <laughs> which was really so, cold. <laughs> yeah, which, of course, we, we all froze there. But we were involved, the, the, the staff and the... Uh, the volunteers were a very liberal group. And of course, in addition to the Vietnam War, there was a civil rights activities. Um, Did you have a community service component of your training? I think it was very little. Um, I don't think they really, really got that much. Uh, we learned a lot about Brazil and about the Northeast and it's such a vast country with such a extensive uh, uh, difference between the north and the, and the south. So, so overall, do you think the training prepared you for the job you were going to be doing? Um, I, I, the language, I, th I think, I think the, the language instruction was was very strong and. You know, it depends a lot on the, the level of the uh, of the uh, the students. Uh, what I haven't got around to yet is talking about. There was eight weeks in uh, Milwaukee, and then there's six weeks in Brazil. Oh, okay. So obviously, the hand there was more hands-on training when we got to Brazil. And I could talk a little bit oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, please do. I'm uh, sorry. When I uh, uh, finished talking about Milwaukee. So um, that was uh, some people got cut during that training. Um, of the lawyers, one of us got cut, cut. No one knew why people got cut. There was speculation. Um, I suppose at the security check, uh, maybe a reason why some of them did. I remember one of the secretaries got cut, and she'd never been on a plane before, except to Milwaukee. And people were speculating that um, maybe they felt she wouldn't be able to adapt to 
to life in, in Brazil. Uh, anyway, there, there were some of us that got quit, cut. Some of us quit of the group of 40. And uh, we weren't, the cooperative group wasn't separated from the, uh, from the secretaries, from the health, or from the urban planning group at all, as far as I know. They may have gotten some specialized training, but I doubt it was very much. So we, the, the 40 of us were together for um, 10, 12 hours a day, whatever mm -hmm. it was. Uh, the uh, hope that, that answers your no, question. So that's, that's the Milwaukee part of it. Talk a little bit about the in-country training you um, got. Well, we flew down there, um, and we were put in... Um, one of the places we went was, was one of the... was a small town, a couple, a couple hour, an hour and a half by bus from Recife. Recife's the, the capital... At the time, Recife was about a million people, and it was the third, I believe it was the third largest city in in Brazil. So Recife was the capital of the Northeast. It was the capital of the Northeast. Well, it, it was the capital of the state of Pernambuco, and the program was in, uh, was in Pernambuco. Mm-hmm. And Pernambuco is one of the states in the Northeast. And there was, I don't know, five or six straight states in the Northeast. Um, maybe 30 million people at the time. And the country was 90 million, something like that at the time. It's, of course, much, much larger now. Um, and this Northeast was a, a, uh, the, the poorest part of the the country, the most backward, that was the the sugarcane area primarily. Uh, it was also a hotbed of communist activity at the time, and um, in the mid sixties, Brazil was going through a lot of upheaval, and in 63, 64, eventually the military took over and and a lot of people were sent to exile or and uh, it was a military, it became a uh, military dictatorship and then a whole lot of money from the United States poured into Brazil to try to keep the, uh, the country uh, safe from communism uh, and most of that ended up in the Northeast. All right. So this northeast portion, Pernambuco, the big city, was the capital state of Pernambuco and sort of the, the, the main city in the northeast. Um, the, so in this little town, we got a lot of language training and... Um, we would stay with different families, um, and I ended up with a family of 10 people in a two-room house. I had a hammock. 
Um, it was very difficult. My at this stage, uh, I think my Portuguese maybe was two or two and a quarter, or something like that, which isn't very good um, on an FSI scale. I, if you're, are you familiar with that? The F I vaguely remember five. Five was the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two, two and a quarter was, you know, it was something. But um, it really required people who were somewhat educated, and, and it would help if they had teeth uh, to be able to communicate with them. And almost no ability to communicate at all with the, the family. Uh, meantime, we were we eating together, and. Um, we were in, um, at one point we were in a large dorm that we were all staying in and we all had our cots and we'd have a, a, a mosquito netting. And we'd wake up the next day and some of us would be completely covered with, with bites and other people, no bites at all. It didn't seem fair. Um, but and we were eating the food and we were getting sick. Um, and a lot of the people had a lot of uh, gastrointestinal problems and diarrhea and stuff. And uh, Was that from the food or the water? Well, I think it was from the food. I think we were pretty careful about the water. But um, all the water was we were supposed to. We had the, the filters, and, but we also boiled the water. Um, but maybe some people... They, it was from the water as well, but we tried to be careful. But everybody was, it was just a lot of sad. And people weren't enough pain from all this. Some people left after that. So you know, the bus would come to pick you up and we'd visit and we'd go to four or five other volunteers and then they wouldn't be there because they decided to go home. Hmm. Um, during this, this period, um, the uh, And there were some community development classes. I just, I just don't have much of a memory of them. I just remember that in my notes, they, they, weren't, they weren't very effective. Um, the, so at, at, the, at some point in that period, I, I do remember that in, um, the key was to get, to, a lot of us did, a lot of us got cut, I remember I was told, I got this note saying, please report to such and such a room um, just before the trip in, in, in Milwaukee. So I, I went to the room, and I'm nervous. We're all nervous, you know, get a special note, please report. And the room was really hot, you know. And the, the window was, was closed, and I walk over to the window, and he immediately rushed to get me, and I said, I just want to open up the window. I don't want to jump, you know. Because it's so hot in here. Oh, we're sorry. But um, uh, that was a point where some people were told that they would not, not go on. Um, the, uh, so a number dropped out of the training. Um, and there, there, were, there were 40. And uh, 33 in the cooperatives, we end up with 
with 31 in the cooperatives, we end up with like 20. So at 10, one left to get married, one um, one got cut, and, a, and one left as soon as he turned 26. Um, and uh, I was the first, I was the, I believe I was the oldest person of all the 40, and I was 25, you know. So all of us were about to say, I'd like the Peace Corps these days. We were all between the ages of 21 and 25, the entire group, yeah. as, as far as I know. Um, I think the Peace Corps was like that then. Um, anyway, I'm, uh, I'm jumping around. So we... Uh, uh, a lot more training, uh, a lot more language, and we, we visited some places that were some of the sites... What did you think about all of that? Um, well, I mean, I was I was in a lot of culture shock. I had, again, I except for uh, one trip to Jamaica during during a a summer break, and I think some small trips to Mexico for vacation. I really hadn't been out of the country, and um, it was. Um, well, I guess I'd also went to Europe for one summer. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I was really, I, I was worried about the language and how I was progressing. Uh, and I was real concerned about how I could, could uh, adjust. And, you know, why am I here? I should be practicing law in, somewhere in the United States. And... Um, but it was sort of exciting and different, you know. Here's a completely different culture. And I, I, even though I was weak, maybe the 75th percentile in language. Um, but, yeah, I was trying to like the food. It was different and, and wasn't cold like in, um, in Illinois or Wisconsin. And... You know, I was reading a lot, and such a fascinating country that that was part of it as well. Um, it was hard for me to imagine two years staying in in, in Brazil. Uh, so I think we're now at the point um, where they put us in the sites, unless you had some more questions no, about no, about go ahead. training. Um, the uh, so there are the the cooperative program which is called FICAMPI uh, it's the uh, it's F-E-C-O-M-P-I-P-E F-E-N F-E-C-O-M-P-I-P-E um, a better I, I guess a better way to phrase it would be the Federation of Mixed Cooperatives of the State of Pernambuco <laughs> okay they um, there was uh
the they had, I think, 10 to 15 sites in the state of Pernambuco. And the state was, I don't know, maybe 200 miles long and, I don't know, 40 miles wide, something like that. But we were in different different sites around the state. And everything revolved around receiving. The headquarters was there. Training was there. Uh, we'd have meetings there. Uh, and we were put in different uh, different cities. Um, the um, I was put in, in Vicencia, V I C E N C I A, a town of three thousand people. in a county of 23,000 people, I guess. Um, so that was, if you could call it a county seat, although that... Um, I'm not sure why I was put there. Uh, some of the people were put in towns of 20 to 50,000. Uh and in some of those towns, there were volunteers already there, not in the cooperative program, but in health programs, education. Uh, there were already volunteers there. Um, and I think I was the first American that ended up there. Uh, and it was really just one long street, sort of. Um, a couple of restaurants, if you want to use that, that term. Uh, and some sites had two volunteers. So uh, you were the only one. I was the only one. And in terms of being able to cope with it, I because my, my Portuguese was so bad, uh, I... Immediately, I found this this uh, kid, seventeen years old, and I said, "Teach me Portuguese." You know, I got money to pay him twenty cents an hour, what it was to 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 help teach me Portuguese. But it was, you know, there it it, it was not a very interesting place, and it was hard to find people to communicate with at any level. Um, well, where did you live? Well, or how did you find a place to live? Um, the uh, the head of the the program, uh, gentleman named John Burns, uh, who uh, had been in Brazil a while and was a uh, priest at the time. Um, he drove uh, me to the town where I had my 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 footlocker of over a hundred books, um, and uh, we all got these these footlockers, and my um, and my my clothing and stuff. My, my suitcase. And you said he was head of the program. He was head of the co-op program or he Peace was, Corps. 
He was head of Peace Corps in Pernambuco. Okay. There was another guy named Chuck Bosley, who was head of the Peace Corps in the Northeast. So, uh, so John, John had the Pernambuco program, which is the co-ops and some of the, the, the small health programs and teaching programs and stuff. I, I, I don't know how many. Yeah, but he's about. the one who got you the, the place to live. Yeah. So he's the one, you know, I, I don't know that there's someone probably went there, said, where can someone live? So. The answer was there was one or two restaurants. It was in the back of the restaurant. So in the back of the restaurant was a room. Um, maybe seven feet by three feet, four feet, something like that. I had room for a bed. Um, it was... Uh, 30 cents a night. Um, and uh, I think it was six feet by 10 feet I wrote down. So it was six feet by 10 feet. Uh, and I ate there. And I think dinner was 75 cents a night. Um, the uh, So that's where I stayed. Uh, Did you have a toilet? Did you, how did you wash? Um, well, they had running water. And I mean, I, I personally had nothing except the room. I would go out, there was running water. I do not remember uh, if there was a uh, an outhouse or not, or there was a bath. I think it was probably an outhouse. I don't, I don't remember. Um, so he had, uh, this guy was... Uh, Thing was Olympio, and he owned it, um, and people would come in there to eat. So I would have breakfast and dinner there, or the the, the the main meal was lunch actually. So I think I had dinner and breakfast there, and he had two cooks that I became very close to, um, uh, who were working for him. And then they would make the, the meals. Um, and uh, so that that was the, the, the living situation. Um, the co-op was, you know, down the street. Um, and uh, I'm sure of all the volunteers, none of them lived as Spartan as I did in the, in the, in the, among the, the co-op group. Uh, the 33 became uh, 21, and they b before they came to Pernambuco, they transferred three lawyers to Sao Paulo. Um, and a fourth eventually transferred there because there was a legal aid program down there. And um, I was not considered to be one of them because <clears throat> I had a degree in accounting, and they thought they wanted someone who knew something about accounting. And um, so that they wouldn't let me go. So, so talk a little bit about the co-op program. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, the um, the co-op had two hundred and sixty members. Um, in the in Vicencia. Um, of which like 170 were active or so and 40 go to the meetings. Um, and what kind of co-ops were they? Sugarcane or? What? Yeah, they, 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 you, you would, uh, there was one, uh, there was one in each, in these 15 cities, although some were just starting up. This, I think, had been going um, for a few years, I believe, but it never had a volunteer there. Um, and um, uh, they uh, they sold products, um, seed, and, they, and, and, and uh, um, food that you might buy and stuff, uh, and whatever profit they would distribute to the to the co-op members, um, the uh, the, uh, the two hundred the the, the two hundred seventy members, uh, maybe hundred hundred quarter. They had a they had some land uh, hectares, which they would be they might have some corn or, or beans or uh, sugarcane, and most of them worked. If they didn't have that, they would work on the, the major. Plantations, which is primarily sugarcane, and uh, that whole area is a huge sugarcane area called the uh, Zona de Mata, and uh, uh, and a lot of the of the members would be who didn't have their own land to produce stuff worked on worked in the um, plantations. Uh, and a lot of them would buy stuff at the at the store owned by the plantations, and the whole script program where you uh, um, where they go into debt to the company store, then they end up having to buy stuff from the from the uh, the program there. I, I I never learned a whole lot about that, um, and. Uh, Part of it was my, my weakness in Portuguese. I think maybe pretty pretty limited, uh, and the uh, the leader of of the cooperative is a pretty dynamic guy, a couple of years younger, um, and uh, I got to know him a little bit. But I mean, no one spoke a word of of English. Um, and what what were you supposed to do in this co-op? Well, I was supposed to. I, I did a number of things. I, I uh, uh, in the beginning, I would just go there and try to talk and listen to what was going on and use a little bit of Portuguese. Um, I um, I one of the things they were trying to do is get new members, and um, I uh, was educated in Milwaukee. About the seven principles of of cooperatives, and we got some training about that, which is pretty rudimentary. But you know, I learned something about the cooperative movement, and uh, so I would we would walk out to the uh, 
to the rural areas, you know, walk a mile or two, and sometimes we would use the uh, the, the truck some of the places, and I would make a speech, and um, that was pretty entertaining for everybody to hear the uh, the uh, Matacano speaking in Portuguese, and then I would. Uh, uh, and I, I guess as I, and I was doing this and I had a good dictionary I was expanding my vocabulary and I was getting lessons from this, this student I was sort of telling him how to do it. so I uh, you know I would make my speech and there might be five or ten or twenty people that would gather and uh, one of the the, uh, the members homes and you know I'd bring out the matchsticks and I'd be able to break one easily, but when I tried to break three of them, I couldn't do it, you know. Uh, proving that one person, it's easy to uh, to, over, to uh, overwhelm him, but if you have a number together, union makes force. Union has a force, you know. And uh, so these were sort of successful you know, and I got a chance. They felt to, sorry for you, so they joined. Is that they it? Felt sorry. Yeah, <laughs> they joined. Um, but um, so I was doing that. Um, there was an accountant who came once a week, and I tried to learn some accounting and to talk about accounting with her. And again, it was all in Portuguese. But now I'm dealing with someone with, with some education, and I was developing the vocabulary and stuff. And I was doing some, some talk, doing some some of that work. Um, that was pretty rudimentary, um, but um, the um, so that's what. At another point, we're doing what we call a Levano Menos. L e v e n t a. M-E-N-T-O's, which are surveys. And everybody, all the volunteers were, were doing that. Um, and their purpose was to, uh, and again, there was a written question which I would read, and I could usually understand their answer. Um, and, of course, I was developing vocabulary to some extent. Um, the, uh, and the purpose of these was to try to figure out the needs of the people working and to provide that as a basis upon which they would be able to access funds for the co-op program. Um, I don't know how successful that is or how, how exactly how it was used. Uh, the uh, but that I I taught um, I taught English at the class at a classroom at the school um, and I had a number I think I had like forty students and had some classes um, and that was sort of interesting I mean. I think the last thing these people needed was to learn English. But it was a way to have an inn in the community and get to know people. 
and I would give exams and you know, we would talk English a little bit. And I got to know the students and of course that was, yeah, I could talk Portuguese, so that, that was good in that respect too. Um, so um, I, I was involved in that. Um, the uh, there was no effort at all to get us involved in any planting or anything, um, which was and there really wasn't anyone to learn from, and um, I, I had no background in uh, farming at all. So, did yeah. you make friends in the community? Or I did. You? I did. The um, <clears throat> The two cooks who were uh, in the restaurant, I really grew to, grew to like them a lot, and they became friends. And neither could read or write. Uh, in fact, 80% of the people in this area, the Zona Namada, can't read or write. So one of them I was teaching English to. The, the student that I found was the nephew of the person who ran the, the restaurant. And he was very sharp, and um, he was three or four years younger than me, maybe more than that. Maybe he was 17 or 18 or something, and I was 25. But I got, you know, I got to know him, and he was, he was a good, good teacher, you know. Um, and uh, he eventually ended up in Recife and went to college and stuff like that. Um, and... Uh, so he was a good friend. From the cooperative itself, um, the head of the cooperative who was very sharp uh, and articulate. I became friendly with him and uh, the couple of the leaders of the cooperative, I became uh, friendly with them. Um, and, um, and just walking, I saw, I became, you know, I, I, I these are people who were friends and stuff. Um, at, 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 you know, at, at some at some level. Um, were you it, lonely though, or not? Sure, I mean it was quite lonely. Um, and it was just uh, my, my days. I, I wrote about what my days were like. You know, I'd wake up and I usually read the the uh, Portuguese paper. I think he was getting the paper, so I'd read the the the. The Recife paper, you know, and uh, I I did a lot of reading. Uh, I most people who have a, a good ear for language, uh, they talk a lot and they pick it up listening to it. I think I pick up languages better through reading it. So um, and then I converted. So it gave me a, a pretty yeah. large vocabulary. Uh, I don't know. I, I after uh, two years, I ended up with a three and a half. I was pretty good, and uh, uh, one of the reasons is going to the big city, which which we could talk about later, and spending time and, and dating. You know, it's a great way to learn learn uh, Portuguese. You know, to, to use, and of course, and I was dealing with the legal aid program, much more sophisticated people. In the meantime, I was reading a lot. Stuff. So I was I was, I was uh, three and a half was was. was it's good. Yeah, it was really was was really quite. So good. your daily routine was you went well, to the office. Well, I, I would so I would uh, get up and have breakfast, which was uh, uh, eggs and uh, 
the uh, manioc flour on rice, maybe some beans, uh, and juice or a piece of fruit. I have that. I read the paper. Then I'd sort of go for a walk and talk to people, you know, and then I'd wander into the um, uh, into the uh, cooperative and talk to people there and spend time. Maybe I'd be teaching the English class. Uh, and it was two, and I was starting to get tired. And I uh, I come back and have the the uh, the main meal, which is rice and beans again, manioc flour, uh, and maybe some little meat with it or something, or, or fish or something like that. Very little, and that would be the the meal every single day of my existence there. Um, and then. Um, uh, somewhat monotonous um, and that was everybody's fault I mean, that, was, that was the meals uh, the um, and I might go back to the cooperative or I might not wander around the community talking to people and then um, sometimes there'd be activities right go to someone's house or something but that that was my my day um and I, uh, every week or two, we go into Recife. And there, there'd be other volunteers there, and there'd be meetings. Uh, it was really hard to figure, of course, I talked to the other volunteers, and sometimes I would visit them. There was some that were, there was one who was maybe an hour away, which is really only maybe 20 miles away. And he was there. And there was a volunteer before him. It was a big city, and um, the there was restaurants. And he had they had um, I think he, by then he had a house, so they had a maid did cooking and stuff. So I would spend time and visiting some of the other volunteers. And you went how by truck? No, it went by bus. By the bus. bus would, the, the bus. That went to be, there was two a day, but it would stop in two or three other cities. Um, and uh, one of the volunteers lived in um, right outside of Recife, and uh, he was fluent in Spanish. So I, near the end of my my eight months there, I would visit him and learn Spanish because I was I thought I might as well learn Spanish as well. And uh, um, so that was sort of my life. Um, we uh, we would have meetings, and we, it was hard to f- figure out what was going on with the cooperative because the the the, the head of the of the federation was very uh, everything was in Portuguese pretty much, and uh, it was hard to follow what was going on. Uh, but he really wouldn't tell us much about what was happening, and the the. Uh, and the, we knew the political situation in Brazil was really precarious uh, because of what of the things that were that were going on and the, the people going to jail and the students and stuff. But we couldn't get much information about that. But uh, the um, so that that was sort of none of the volunteers, as far as I could tell, were doing much different than what I just told you in the first three or four months. Um, they're, uh, they were relating more to the community because they were in larger communities. And, if and in a lot of these towns, 
there was another volunteer or there was another um, uh, volunteer, you know, who's one town, uh, the town I went to a lot, there was two volunteers, two women that were involved in, in health education projects who, who were going to be leaving soon. So they were fluent, or I don't think fluent, but their, their Portuguese was strong and stuff, and they, they had a community. And they had each other, too. Yeah, they had each other, and they had, they had my friend. Um, and, um, uh, and I think some went much further out, and they had horses, and they, they just, some, there's there some with the rural, not the lawyers, but there was this other group that had uh, some who had more agricultural backgrounds and stuff, none really a lot, but, you know, they, they, they were, they got, they got involved in, in that to some extent. Um, I think that was a real flaw. I think if we're going to be there, I think we ought to learn something about agriculture. I think we should be involved in some of the planning stuff, planting, doing that stuff. And in fact, those that stayed for the second year, and at the end, I think uh, only 11 of the 31 made it for two years. Uh, the others, uh, all I, I mean, I ended up, another legal aid program. Some went home, some went to other programs, etc. But the, the 11 or so that stayed, they got involved in, in uh, agricultural products and uh, they had a much more meaningful experience. And uh, they did a terrific job of setting things up for the next group. Uh, and uh, the uh, the group that replaced us really was a much better uh, situation because they were involved in agriculture. Yeah, and because they they uh, they could they could one of the the group that came after us, which was uh, and I'll talk a little bit about them and try to talk one of them into who lives in Arlington. It's a good friend who. Maybe you'll, you'll end up talking to. But uh, they, you know, they had the, the benefit. Sometimes they try to have overlap. Um, and um, they had a much more meaningful experience, and they learned a lot more, and they really hit the ground running, so to speak. Uh, and uh, they also are, they get together all the time and have, programs and stuff now, 50 years later. And uh, um, so that that's sort of the the, um, the experience. So um, how did you end up leaving? You, you said you left after eight months, is that it? Yeah, from the, from the first month or two, it, I mean, I just understood that it, it was, uh, I wasn't going to make it two years. I, I, I understood that. And... Because of the loneliness? Because well, there's of the, the loneliness, job. the failure to, to, I'm not accomplishing much. Uh, the fact that really this town was so small, um, there wasn't a whole lot to do in it. Um, I, I thought maybe if I went to Recife and, and got involved in the accounting program there and lived in Recife, which was you know, a town of million people, an exciting place and with, with a, a lot of Foreigners, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that that might work out. Um, 
And I looked into the possibility of transferring there. And the head of the program seemed like, you know, here's a guy with a degree in accounting. Of course, I never practiced accounting. went straight to law school. And, and the last thing I wanted to do was be an accountant in life. I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, the, uh, I thought he, we might be able to do that, but he wasn't interested and in fact, they weren't interested in developing a marketing program either. Now, that might have been really interesting for the co-ops, but he vetoed that, and none of us ever figure out why. Um, so the information, I mean, I think the director of the program, John, I, I think he tried to get information from the, the, the leadership in the cooperatives, and I don't think they were getting it, um, and which means they couldn't couldn't uh, provide it to the volunteers. Um, that may have changed to some extent in the in the, uh, the program that that followed us. Okay, I um, so you so you requested to change or oh sure I mean I, well I requested I said hey I'd like to go there too and the uh, they they brought someone from Brazil they wanted to show what was going on and they brought into Vicencia one of the one of the leaders in in Rio with a the, the headquarters of the program, and he said to him, you know, this is one of our most successful volunteers. He's doing this, this, and this. And I said, you know, I'm not successful at all. And, you know, so I, so with that, I, it was obvious after four or five months. Meantime, it, you know, I took, I, we had vacations, and, you know, we, we uh, and I got involved in some projects uh, there, um, Writing stuff up with other volunteers and, and, and trying to trying to do some of that in, in the newspapers and doing some things like that. Uh, so I was doing more stuff in Recife of the administrative aspect, but I was trying to get eyes to look. You know, got to do this. Is our right, well, let's look into legal aid program. But you can't. We're not. There's four in Sao Paulo. There's three others. You know, um, and uh, the um, uh, but would you like to go to Fortaleza, which is, or Natal, which are two major cities in the Northeast, um, in different states? Um, so I visited Fortaleza and the director there was favorable, and I got a letter from the uh, legal aid saying he could come and work with us. And, and there was a legal aid program. There was already. a legal aid program, not 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 a Peace Corps legal aid. There oh. was a legal aid. The the in Sao Paulo there was a legal aid program, which and the Peace Corps volunteers worked in it. Okay. In Fortaleza there was one as well. Uh, there were no volunteers in it. I was the first one. And okay, so gee whiz, I could live in a city of a million people, and um, you know that's pretty exciting. It was a major. It was almost as big as Recife. It was on the beach, and it was an interesting place. And and uh, it was a progressive, relatively progressive state. Fortaleza still is. Uh, those cities are now Fortaleza and Recife are over two, three million people. Uh, so I went there. I said, that sounds great. Uh, 
while I was living in Brazil, the other reason I was really unhappy with Vicencia is my uh, my six by ten cubbyhole. It was pretty limited. <laughs> okay, so I got a house, and it took forever. And I finally found me. I finally found a house, uh, and it was eight dollars a month rent. It um, it had a it didn't have running water, but it did have electricity, and it had a uh, you know it had an out a uh, a hole in the back, you know, so it had facilities there. Um, the uh, uh, so I owned, and then I bought furniture for fifty bucks or stuff. So my life was a little better, and one of the leaders of the co-op wanted to stay with me. I had two rooms, so he wanted to stay with me. He said, "Well, you got all this extra room. I'll just live here." I said, "No, no, no." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so my life improved. I still ate. I really didn't have a capacity. I could have. I bought a little. Uh, Propane uh, thing to cook stuff on, but it was to his trouble in it. Seventy-five cents a meal. We had fifty-five dollars was our uh, so you per diem. You ate in a different. No, I ate it at the same place. Well, wait, you were you left town though? No, no, I stayed in the town. In Vincenza. Vincenza. Oh. I stayed in the town, but I had a house in the town now. Oh, which oh, was three oh, blocks away. Oh, I thought away. you had moved to. Um, no, I'm not in. I haven't met. I, I'm down there. Oh. It, three months later, like in like in March, I got there in February. Peace Corps training ended in February, uh, and I got there in February. And then it took six weeks to two months to get home, and that was nice. You know, I had I had a, a hammock. I don't think I had a bed. I guess I, I liked the hammock so much. Everybody had hammocks. Most people had beds. I sort of like the hammock, I think, and uh, uh, so I had the hammock, but no bed. But you know, I had a dresser and you know, desk or something. Anyway, it was it was much more comfortable, um, and uh, uh, that was that that place. Um, and then you moved to so uh, I, I went so I I went to the the program there, which is a legal aid program. Um, and uh, I, uh, prior to going there, I spent a couple of weeks with, maybe it was just 10 days, I don't know, to Sao Paulo, where I saw the program down there, and I saw what the volunteers were doing, many of whom were good friends from Peace Corps training, um, and remain so. Um, so then I came to that legal aid program, uh, and uh, the the state headquarters and the office was there. The shower was there, so I had a shower and I had a key. Um, and I lived in a uh, a little. I, 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 one of the volunteers was secretary was leaving. I took over her house. And I guess most of her furniture, whatever it was. And that was in a real poor community about 20 minutes away. Uh, and I, um, so I would take the bus into the center of the city. And there I was involved in the, in the legal aid. Program. And what was the legal aid program? What did, uh, whom did it help with what? Uh, it was, 
Do you want the Portuguese name of it, or probably you don't? Sure. Here, um, somewhere here. Uh, well, you it, can you can give that to me afterwards. We uh, can do that after. It uh, it was similar to the legal aid program in um, um, in Sao Paulo, but it uh, people would come in who were low income or poor. Some of them had documentation problems getting on welfare. Some of them had uh, family problems and they wanted separations. There was no divorce in Brazil. Um, I don't think, I'm not sure if there is now or not, but, uh, uh, but some of them had domestic relation problems and they were trying to get support. There were sometimes property disputes um, and I was, there was forms to fill out, so I would watch attorneys and what they did and what they said. And by now, you know, my, my Portuguese is, uh, we're at, we're at uh, almost a year, so it's, you know, it's creeping up to a three, maybe. It, it, it's, it's much better. And uh, so I'm talking to people, I'm filling out the forms and, and learning stuff, and I went to a few law school courses just to meet the people. That's interesting, and, I, and I'm doing some stuff socially with the the people that were working at the the uh, legal aid program. Um, and uh, it uh, there were a few small projects I got involved. I was a few small projects I was trying to work with. The director's wife was trying to develop some stuff. And I was involved in a few of those projects. Uh, in the community itself, um, there was a, um, a uh, there was a school uh, a block or two from where I lived, and it was run by a uh, Protestant church there. Um, with close ties to the United States, which is what, oh, there weren't a lot of Protestants in Brazil at that point. Now there's a huge number, but all of them are from the missionaries coming. A huge number came to to Brazil, and now, of course, it's maybe a third Protestant or something. Anyway, the, she had a church, and she was an awfully nice person. The, the woman that ran the... Uh, Maybe she, it wasn't her church, actually. Maybe it was just a church school. But anyway, she had the school there. Um, so I taught at the church. I taught English. And I think I, I, think I taught some, some Portuguese there, too, at that point. So I had a bunch of students there that, that got me to know them. And I did a lot of things with them socially, which was, which was nice. And I think I think some of the classes were in Portuguese, which I was able to work with. And um, so you felt much better. About yeah, it was a much better. It was what I expected. Um, the projects didn't go very far. Uh, I, I don't know why the ones that 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 I tried to develop, I was involved in, in developing with the, the people in Santa. That it was a completely different program. The the volunteers, the, there were just a few in, this, in, in, the, uh, in the capital. The rest of them were spread all over the state, and the state was much bigger, whereas we were all sort of pushed together 
your Pernambuco. So that made a different kind of dynamic because yeah. I was an outsider and I didn't have that. But, you know, I got to volunteers and, and uh, when the, the, my friends from um, from my first site in Pernambuco, when they came through and a lot of others that came through, um, I, my second hammock got a lot of use and stuff. So it was just a, a it was just a lot more fun. And you felt you were contributing there. Yeah, I mean, the legal ed was sort of contributing. Um, and it was interesting, and I was learning stuff, and, and uh, uh, it was a, a much more interesting So how long it. did you do that? Well, my, I, I, I lasted to the end. Um, and um, then I... Uh, uh, and I, I was hopeful that I would train my replacements or there would be replacements. Um, apparently they had trouble finding other lawyers to go there. And there was talk when I left that I would be part of a training program in, Virgin, in the Virgin Islands to train lawyers to, to, uh, to, uh, uh, for legal aid programs in Sao Paulo, other programs in Brazil. And I was got a phone call three or four weeks late saying, you know, we're not going to do that. Mm. As far as I know, that that never happened. So the legal aid program died in in um, in the second in in the state of Ceará in the city of Fortaleza. That died. I, I don't know what happened to the one in, in Sao Paulo. Um, the uh, one of the the lawyers in that program, I knew a little bit, ended up in a fellow judge here in PG County, and uh, he's been involved in some of the major immigration cases and stuff there. So, so I see his name. So, so you finished your two years. So you I, mentioned I, you you dated. Did you date? Oh, was, yeah, in 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 the north. Uh, uh, I dated in the north when I went to Sada, uh, and uh, I dated one woman, and she. Uh, I realized it wasn't working out for no reason, and I introduced her to another volunteer, and uh, they ended up dating and getting married. Yeah. Um, and uh, she still lives here in, in this area, Washington City. Um, and um, some other volunteers. There was one in our group. There was two. There was a lot of social life. Uh, and a lot of the volunteers ended up marrying Brazilians. Hmm. Uh, and especially the group that followed us in, in, in Pernambuco, and a lot of them ended up with Brazilian wives. So the men married wives. Yeah. Women, there were some women yeah, there were some women who married Brazilian men, but it was less less common. Um, and uh, and some of them ended up going back to Brazil. Some of them ended up teaching in colleges there. Mm-hmm. And some of them end up and divorced the men and the women, and, and some of them didn't, you know. And um, 
but uh, there was certainly a lot of maybe 10 or 15 percent ended up that way. Did um, you did you travel a lot while you were in Brazil? I went. Uh, I, I, well, I traveled a lot around the state, and I went up uh, from Fortaleza. We had something like 30 days a year or something like that for travel. Uh, I went up for a week to Manaus and Belém, which is on up the Amazon. Um, and I, uh, I think I went up with a volunteer, but uh, I came back on my own, back on the boat. And that was a Brazilian, everybody on the at least all, just about everybody on the boat was Brazilian, Brazilian boat. That was really, really interesting. And uh, I also, uh, my aunt, uncle, and sister came down, flew to Recife um, halfway through my four or five months down there to visit me. And uh, we got on a boat and we went all the way to Argentina and Uruguay. Oh. And... Um, and I took a bus back, and when um, um, that was, of course, a fabulous trip, and seeing Argentina and seeing Uruguay, and, and uh, I ended up visiting one of the volunteers that, that was in a another state called uh, Bahia, uh, Salvador's city, which is I don't, which is a terrific fascinating place that, which was halfway between between uh, uh, Rio and and uh, uh, Fortaleza and uh, then when I left I went to uh, Rio which is where when I went through uh, whatever the term is that is you in your service there, and uh, spent spent uh, carnival there, which was carnival unreal, which was a fun experience, and uh, I uh, sitting playing bridge in a hotel, and a strange group of people wandered in and uh, started talking to us and stuff. And they were there for real, for Carnival. And um, we got together that afternoon with them and went to the beach. And uh, sort of a wild group of people. And uh, that's when I met Janice Joplin. <laughs> and uh, She was part of that group? She was part of that group. So I spent an afternoon with her and then with her friends that were there to check out the music there. And uh, one of the people in our group, I knew who she was. And one of the people, I had no idea who she was. We never told them. <laughs> and after we told them, I said, I don't know who she is. Who's she? So you're not reading the paper very well. <laughs> um, anyway, that was sort of interesting. So what, so what did you do after Peace Corps? What, you, you then flew home from Rio back to the States? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, we went, I, went, I went through... Um, um, I went to Bolivia after Carnival. I went to, well, we 
Samoa and Sao Paulo for a day or two, and then we flew to, three of us volunteers came back, flew to, um, uh, to La Paz, and uh, it had volunteers from, from La Paz who um, uh, were on the flight with us. They came, they spent their vacation in Rio Carnival. They flew back with us. One of the guys stood up and said, all right, everybody turn your, 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 your clock back one century. So I dealt with the time difference. We spent a few days in La Paz and uh, we met some volunteers there and then we went to Lima and Cusco and Machu Picchu. A week later I was back, back home. Um, and um, that was the, uh, that was the and experience. Then, and then what did you do? Um, was, was re-entry hard? Re-entry was hard. Um, I, uh, there was a lot of culture shock in, in returning. All the people seemed tall and all the people seemed white, very white. Um, I came back um, and um, I eventually ended up in a legal aid program in Chicago. Um, and um, I uh, came back to the small town in Illinois and then I, I moved to Chicago, which do you know Chicago at all? Or Not well. Yeah. Where are you from? You're New from York. New York. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I ended up a legal aid program in in, in Chicago. Uh, one of the uh, one of the people in our group was already in that program, and that helped me get the job. And uh, he was a close friend in Brazil, and remains so, and remains in Chicago. Um, and. Uh, I ended up a legal aid program there at a neighborhood office, and in um, for a couple of years on the south side of Chicago in Englewood, which is Michelle Obama's old mm -hmm. neighborhood in the south side. And then there became an opening to run an office in the Mexican area of Chicago called Pilsen, and um, I had. Um, so I applied for that job as to be the, uh, the head of the office, and it had four or five lawyers and uh, a staff of four or five. And uh, <clears throat> I had, uh, I think I mentioned I took Spanish lessons down yeah. there. And um, I uh, sort of kept up the Spanish. Um, I used it in Argentina and Uruguay and more like lessons in and uh, I kept a Portuguese, but a lot more people spoke Spanish. Anyway, that helped me get the uh, the head of that office, the, my, my Spanish, and I kept on with lessons and stuff. And um, I think my Spanish was uh, uh, maybe a three level, maybe eighty percent of the the Portuguese. Of course, neither is any good now, and I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth, whether it's <laughs> Portuguese or Spanish. But, you know, I used Spanish there, and um, I stayed in the, the legal aid program, and uh, um, so that, and then I ended up through, uh, 
through getting a position in the federal government here when Jimmy Carter became president. Uh, and then I uh, ended up in private practice in Alexandria after I left the, the federal government. And, so, so what was the impact of Peace Corps on your life, as uh, you think about it? Uh, I think it was extraordinary. It was the two most interesting years of my life. To a great extent, it uh, charted my the rest of my life. Um, no, continue. Oh, uh, to a great extent, it uh, set my life on. Um, I, uh, it, uh, it gave me a lot of confidence, the experience in, um, in the little town in, in Brazil alone and being unable to speak the language uh, convinced me, I think, that I could get on, I could exist on my own. And it gave me a lot of, a lot of confidence in that respect. And I think learning the language which I eventually did, was, was very, very exciting. Um, I, uh, it helped me, it probably helped me get a job in legal aid, certainly helped me get a, a second job. That's something I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to do legal aid. I did, I spent my whole life in liberal causes one way or the other, uh, and uh, on boards and different kinds of activities. And I think it set that tone. Uh, of the uh, of that group of uh, twelve or thirteen legal aid people that lasted, uh, I kept up with most of them. It's now fifty years. One has died, but um, kept up with most of them. And four or five are among my best friends, and remain so. And the um, the one in Chicago, I would see all the time, and uh, so I still have family in Chicago. We get together. One went to San Francisco, and I visit him on a number of occasions and connections out there. Um, and um, there's one in Arlington who was in the subsequent group, and I very close to him and his family. His group gets together all the time, and I've we have a lot of. Peace Corps reunions. I'm going to one in upstate New York in October, which will have four of our group, and we'll have his group, who I, I don't know that well, but it'll be at the place who the guy who succeeded me. Although he came eight months after I left, and but he he continued the program in in, in Vicencia. We've, we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about what he lives in. A, little town in upstate New York. So in terms of a, a set of friends, um, you know, all, all that, I, that I plan to somewhat come to my funeral. Any, any other thoughts about Peace Corps' impact on, on this country or in, on Brazil? Well, clearly, I've thought a lot about that. I've, uh, um, I, I, I don't think the cooperative program continues on. The legal aid program didn't. Um, I think they're now getting volunteers who have skills that, that match what the needs are of the country. I don't think you could say that about the co-op group, um, even though half of whom were lawyers. 
um, that that was a that was certainly the case. I think those that stayed the second year had some impact on their programs, uh, but the Peace Corps left Brazil because Brazil, I think, supposedly they left. I think in the early eighties, uh, they were asked to leave. They wanted to stay. They, Brazil no longer saw itself as a third world country. It was either that was one of the rationales, or it was because of a conflict between the the governments. Um, I'm not sure. So there is there peace the, corps there now? No, it's been it's gone, gone since '83. So it never never went back there. Um, and um, I think to the volunteers, uh, my understanding is that a third of the programs, uh, a third of AID and Food for Peace and those different groups and a large number of State Department people uh, are um, uh, have Peace Corps volunteers and uh, uh, that's got to be a good thing for the United States right. and for you know for the little bit of money that we the per diem we got plus I think we got uh, 100 hours a month um, it was set aside for us so we sure we got that money, that amount of money was just nothing compared to the cost of the, the programs right. and stuff. So that certainly, and still going on, I think it, it is, is great. And I think it's got older volunteers now who have a lot more to contribute. Uh, I, it's hard for me to say, I, I tried to get one of my failures, I guess, and part of it's from splitting it two different places, is those friends that I made in Brazil, um, you know, I would exchange a letter or two, but my letters would get lost, or that's what just, just happened. Some of the other people um, have come to the Peace Corps reunions. We would have the food of Brazil that everybody likes. is, is called feijoada, the, the, the bean dish. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever had it, but uh, um, the... Um, uh, the the uh, we have we used to have a two or two or three years we get together and have that and at some of those some of the 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 people who were in the cooperatives Brazilians came to some of the programs I mean I think people kicked in money for them to come up um, and we still to some extent get together and, and uh, but in terms of our impact on Brazil. Um, I think at least in the co-op program, I think it's limited, but I, you really need to talk to someone who didn't abandon it after after uh, eight eight months. And in terms of the the legal aid program, you know, I think that was that was minimal as well. And you know, we had our personal relations and what it was like knowing Americans and stuff. And I think people wiser than me have got a can probably. Well, there are three goals, so everybody I've interviewed has been really clear about impact on themselves and impact on the United States and less sure about impact on on the country in which they served, except for the personal relationships. Um, And those personal relationships are really important. Yeah changed attitudes towards the United States, especially during the Vietnam War. Yeah, there's a lot. We talked a lot about the the, uh, the Vietnam War 
and the, especially in a place like northeastern Brazil where the money, uh, which I didn't say, but the cooperatives was, uh, most of the funding was from the United States and the building for the cooperative, the state cooperative, uh, was AFL-CIO AFL money and the money came from the Cooperative League of the United States and I supposedly there was a lot of CIA money that was put into that group uh, but we had to learn about that on our own that wasn't something that we anybody yeah. talked about um, and uh, but and that's that's why that's how I spent spent those two years. That's great. Uh, so, anything else you want to to mention that we haven't talked uh, about? No, I mean, are there any questions that you all have? No, it's been a really interesting interview. And yeah, important perspective. I'm glad we had a chance to. Well, it was to nice do that. meeting you, and uh, maybe we'll talk about Somalia. In, yeah, in that's Hera. a diff- that's a different right. interview. <laughs> that would be a different interview. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it, another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. Well, guys, what did you think? Listening to this interview, did you think to yourself, Tyler, you phoned it in, Uh, you didn't do a good job here, I want interviews with you interviewing people that are a little bit more lively, a little bit more fast-paced, or did you really like this one from the archives? Uh, I need some feedback from you guys. Also, A big reason why I used this interview is because I am out of interviews. Completely out. The list has run dry. I have uh, some requests out for some pretty awesome people, former ambassadors, uh, media moguls, and (laughs) turned models, turned uh, humanitarians, turned uh, so many different things, uh, senators. So I've got some really cool interviews in the works, but for the time being, I don't have any interviews uh, scheduled. I'm working on that for this upcoming weekend so I can have some fresh new interviews for you guys because, as you know, I release an episode every single Tuesday. So if I don't have someone to interview uh, this upcoming weekend, you're going to be hearing a monologue from me or something from the Oral History Archives. Uh, I'll try to find a a good one for you guys uh, for next week. So let me know, and if you are part of a Return RPCV group, uh, share this podcast and encourage people to come on the show and tell their stories. Thank you again for spending time with me, and remember, as always, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?